Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. America watched baseballs fly out of stadiums at record rates from the late 1980s through the 2000s. At the time, old fans were falling back in love with the national pastime, and new fans were being made with the fun-to-watch offensive explosion occurring. Jose Canseco has been a controversial name in the baseball world since he broke into the big show in 1985. The bomb-hitting, bombshell-dropping outfielder gave us plenty to watch on the field, becoming the first player ever to hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases in the same season, and also plenty to talk about for his annex off the field and why he's been summoned to our courtroom today. From a defection to the U.S. from Cuba at a young age to become one of professional sports' most talked-about villainous characters, Canseco blew the lid off the steroid problem in baseball in his 2005 Rat Out Your Buddy book titled Juiced. We'll dive into Jose's accomplishments, rap sheet, brief celebrity boxing career, and unfortunately some stories that make one half of the Bash Brothers out to be a full-on asshole. Let's call court into session, bang the gavel, and see where Jose Canseco scores on this episode of Asshole Court. Right, guys what are your initial thoughts on jose canseco okay so uh i grew up a huge baseball fan just like you randy i was a dodgers fan so i hated him from the get-go yep hated the bash brothers i respected the bash brothers because they really uh I mean, they were amazing to watch yeah, like they were. it's tough like now he's a, a massive punchline but if you were a kid in 87 88 89 Canseco and McGuire were like a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't pay all that much attention to him afterwards, aside from, you know, the the stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into. He's an asshole in the sense that like he's the asshole that is uh, too drunk at the end of the bar at Hooters. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm going to rate him. Uh, we say average person is three or four. I'm going to give him a five. I think he's like I said, he's the asshole, the drunk asshole at the end of the bar at Hooters. There you go. OK. All right. All right. Nice, buddy. So I didn't really keep up with him back in his heyday. If I was paying attention to anybody really in baseball, it was the Braves. And we never really saw them because they were in the opposite league. So, But I do remember the Bash brothers and him hitting a, a thousand home runs back in the day. But that was about all of the extent that I kept up to him with. So if we we're saying that the average person is a three or a four, I've got to rate him at, at a four. Because okay. I just really haven't done much research on him. And I haven't heard any of the stories, but I have a feeling 
once we get through with them today, my score is going to jump up a little uh, we bit. We picked him for we'll some see. reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, initial asshole score, 4.0 for okay. Jose Canseco. Awesome. Good deal. So, yeah, in the same vein as you, Mikey, I was a huge baseball fan growing up. Watching the Bash Brothers was just, it was one of the reasons I fell in love with baseball. Mm-hmm. But as an adult and I kept up with sports and I'm avid sports center watcher, mm-hmm. I watched all the times he got arrested for yeah. various stuff. So my pre-show score was a little bit higher. I'm at a 5.5, 5.5. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. So we got a 5.5 for Randy, 5.0 for Mikey, and a 4.0 for Buddy. Jose Canseco's pre-show asshole rating, 4.83. There you go. Let's dive in. All right. Let's do it. Jose Canseco Capas Jr. was acquired July 2nd, 1964 in a package deal, sending himself and his identical twin brother Ozzy to Jose Sr. and Barbara Canseco in exchange for an affordable grocery bill and cases of hair gel to be named later. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I forgot about Ozzy. Yeah. Twin brother Ozzy. Twin brother Ozzy. Born in Havana, Cuba, Jose's father was a territory manager for the oil and gasoline corporation ESSO, as well as a part-time English teacher at the time of the twin boy's birth, and by all accounts, did not like how the political landscape in his country was changing. That's a wild, very broad profession thingy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm an oil uh, guy, also a st- uh, like a teacher. Right. No, yeah, exactly. It was yeah, part-time English teacher. And for Esso, when I think of Esso, I think of old Club Esso. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. was running through my head. <laughs> yeah. Esso, Esso. That's exactly right. <laughs> So, Jose's dad applied for and was granted permission to leave Cuba and move to the United States when his twin boys were just a year old. According this was when uh, Castro came into power, roughly, That's right, right yep. He, what year was this when he came? 65. Okay, so it was post, yeah. Castro yeah. came through in 59. Okay. Yeah, so he got permission to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. he did. He applied for and was granted permission to leave. All right. When the when the boys were like one year old. One year old, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Came from Cuba to the U.S. And I... Well, I imagine that's a fairly uh, rare circumstance. I was about to say, I don't yeah. think you know, you, you hear like defections. Right. And you hear people that were like literally taking rafts across. Yep. And you heard of the people, the, the massive exodus in 59 when the revolution occurred and people were escaping. Oh, yeah. But I wasn't aware that people could actually file to get away. And they right. did. And, yeah. Okay. Granted the right. There you go. So according to a trendmag.com article, when arriving in Opelika, Florida, a city in Miami-Dade County, the Canseco family was surviving on a small stipend. A fluent bilingual speaker, Jose Sr., found a job in sales with Amica Oil and also took a part-time job as a security guard. So again, <laughs> man, yeah, there you go. Oil and gas. I sell oil during the day. I guard stuff at night. He's like, I'm interested in other things like English and security. security. <laughs> it's like a hobby for me, you know? It's my side hustle. It's like our great-grandfathers that they were good at a lot of stuff, you yeah. know? But, yeah. Jack That's of what, all trades. You could get that opportunity back in the day. You're like, I want to give this a shot to, like, do it. Nowadays, you're like, I'd like to sweep the floor. They're like, do you have a four-year degree? Right. <laughs> sweep yeah. that fucking floor. I don't. I don't. The twins' mother, Barbara, took a job in a factory to help make ends meet. When Jose was 10 years old, his family moved from Opelika to Carroll City, Florida, a baseball hub in the state. This is where both Canseco brothers got their first taste of baseball. Oddly oh, enough, really? yeah. Because, yep. I mean, baseball is an absolute national pastime in Cuba, too. So, yeah. Check this out. It was Jose's father was not an athlete and wasn't particularly fond of baseball. Weird. So it was kind of an anomaly. that, yeah. And I think he recognizes, like, I'm not a baseball fan, but... It's in my blood to teach my boys at least how this works. I guess so, yeah. yeah, So the story goes that one day uh, Jose Sr. took his sons to Riscoll Park in Carroll City and pitched to him in his left-handed windup. 
He said the boys caught onto the game almost instantly, and they showed coordination and baseball ability very quickly. So okay. naturals, yeah. you know. And these were they were big kids. He has always monstrous. been a big dude, man. Him and yeah. his brother both are just the biggest Cuban to ever live. <laughs> <laughs> That's what surprises me that he had so many stolen bases. That you know, because he's such a big guy. That's exactly forty and right. forty, man. That's, That's exactly right. That's a big part of his allure. I remember when that happened. We'll dive into that. Yeah. yeah. So Canseco attended Miami Coral Park High School, one of the many Miami area high schools known for its strong baseball program. Jose tried out for the varsity team, but didn't make it until his senior year. But it wasn't like he wasn't good. He was the MVP of the junior varsity team his junior year. Yeah. And then was MVP of the varsity team his senior that year. That varsity team was probably just fucking stacked. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's absolutely right. Uh, he began to make a name for himself among the high school ranks with stories of 400 and 500 foot home runs he was hitting. Uh, what? So, yeah. In high school. I mean, I totally believe it, but you're just like. I saw one kid in high school that we played with, and he played in college and got drafted, but didn't play professionally. Mm-hmm. I saw him hit one. It probably went 500 feet. He hit, ah. he hit it out of the park, over a parking lot, and off the school. I like to Jeez. imagine when it hits the, the car and the alarm goes off. Beep, beep, yeah. Beep. And the bats they use nowadays are just sick. Yeah, man. Those aluminum true. bats they have in high school are just like mm-hmm. lethal. You know? Yeah, they weigh like three ounces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, he had caught the attention of scouts everywhere and was drafted in the 15th round out of high school in the 1982 Major League Draft by the Oakland Athletics. Mm-hmm. He did wind up graduating from Coral Park High that same year. So, drafted out of high school. Very common. It is, uh, yeah. It's different. Than, it's totally different than the other professional sports where you go to college. Right. Baseball, right. they pick you up. Basically, usually straight out of high school and you go straight in the minor leagues. Yeah, and in the NBA now, you have to go to college. For yeah, I remember year. that. Yeah, because after Kobe came through, yep. was one of the first ones, RIP Kobe. Yeah. And then there was that draft. I think it was like 03. And it was like everybody was like 18 years old. Yeah. And they and finally put their foot down. Yeah, it was like, like, we can't have this anymore. Mm-hmm. And football has always had it. You have to be three years removed from high school. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to go to college, but you have to be three years post yeah. high school. That took a three year gap year. Right. Yeah. 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 Walk on. Now I'm ready to ball. That's it. <laughs> Jose took a very typical path, rising up through the minor leagues, advancing upward, playing in small cities all over America. If you haven't ever been to a minor league baseball game, I highly recommend it's it. Shit. Oh, man, they're yeah, fun. Absolutely. We've got one, a local team here in the outfield. You guys know it's a grass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you sit in the grass on kind of a sloped angle and kind of watch the game. You can bring your dogs a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah you can bring little uh, lunches and stuff like that, little yeah. picnics. Yeah, and the kill, you can spend maybe 30 bucks and be behind home I was plate. about to say, I fell out of paying attention to Major League Baseball years ago. But it is still fun to go to a bowl game. Absolutely. The difference is, though, like now going to a minor league game is preferable to me mm-hmm. because it's cheaper, like yep. significantly cheaper. Yeah. You get the same sort of feel. And, uh, you know, it feels like a, a much more uh, like this is an odd word, but like intimate because the seats are so much cheaper. You can be right there. You could yep. sit there and have a conversation with one of these dudes in the dugout. Practice. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And plus, you're not around like 100,000 people. Right. Well, not 100,000, but, you know. Yeah. And fuck, sometimes 50,000. Yeah, know? exactly. By 1985, Canseco has worked his way up to double-A ball, playing in the now-defunct Huntsville Stars. Again, the stories of his long, towering home runs had earned him the nickname Parkway Jose, as Memorial Parkway ran behind the Alabama Stadium. Another thing that made Canseco such a raw talent was his speed. We just touched on this a minute ago, but he stood six foot four and could flat-out fly. According to Wikipedia, Canseco was nicknamed the Natural, with some analysts saying he was the best prospect since Willie Mays. And if you know anything about Willie Mays' yeah. career, he was considered like the ultimate five-tool player, mm-hmm. right? Run, hit, defense, steal, like yeah. everything. He could do it all. 
Weren't uh, uh, some of the coaches pegging him to be the next Mickey Mantle? That's it. You took the words right out of my mouth. Oakland A's hitting coach Bob Watson said that Canseco was a mixture of Roberto Clemente, Dale Murphy, and Reggie Jackson, and others touted Canseco as the next Mickey Mantle. Mm, man. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's very high praise. Yeah, obviously. Doubt. So Canseco ripped up double-A pitching and was named the minor league player of the year in 1985. On September 2nd, 1985, the A's made a September call-up and brought Jose Canseco to the big show. He struck out in his first and only at bat in his first game against the Baltimore Orioles. Okay. So he started out 0 for 1. That's yeah. all right. But was he like 21 at this time? Yeah. Yeah. 85. He was born to 60. Yeah, 21. Yep. Yeah. So in 86, Jose Canseco would be in his first major league full season, and he did not disappoint. He won Rookie of the Year in a season where he finished with 33 home runs and 117 RBIs as a rookie. Crush. Man, man. That's, that's, that's insane, sick, man. Just like in high school, Jose was cranking home runs into the upper decks of stadiums all around the American League. I read a pretty cool article from an 86 LA Times article that talked about all the long home runs he was hitting and being compared to Mickey Mantle, and they interviewed Mickey Mantle. Okay. And I don't know if you guys have ever read anything. They don't publish many like interviews at all with Mickey Mantle. It's true. Yeah, he became very private yeah. in post-baseball life. Yeah, absolutely. And even really was in a baseball player, he didn't really want to talk to the press. And the press didn't want to talk about him. Yeah, because he was drunk as fuck. That's right. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. And they kind of had a gentleman's agreement. Yeah. Yep, I'll give you a good, you know, a yep. good whatever you need, but yeah. just don't write the truth. Yeah, know? I mean, he, he was famous for his job. He did yeah. his job well. His private life was very different, but, you know, in all fairness, it's kind of like, I wish they'd kind of get back to that, like, Hey, man. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that dude's drunk as fuck, man, honking boobs outside of a, a New York nightclub <laughs> in his gutter. He shows up the next day and, like, swats three home runs. You're just like, what do you talk about? The three home runs? Because right. you're a sports journalist, <laughs> asshole. Although, the honk, honk. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was cool to read an article with Mickey Mantle that just kind of, uh, Mantle was talking about how, I guess, the comparison he felt and the pressure Jose was going to get, you know, coming from the media yeah. and things about just being the next stud coming up. Yeah. But again, I hadn't really ever read much from Mickey right. Mantle, and he's like the one of the most revered players ever. So yeah, top three. Yeah. No, some will argue with you. Number Babe one. Ruth. Yeah. Babe Ruth probably, but Mickey Mantle is right, right there. Right there with him. Yeah. So in 1987, another young player on the A's emerged as a potential superstar guy by the name of Mark McGuire. McGuire was a big dude just like Canseco, and he actually put up bigger numbers than Canseco his rookie year. And McGuire, too, won Rookie of the Year. In 1987, McGuire hit 49 home runs, which was the record for a rookie at the time. It was actually broken by Aaron Judge of the Yankees in 2017 when he hit 52, and then last season, Pete Alonso of the Mets hit 53. It is 53rd in the last game of the season. Okay. Oh, man. 53 bombs as a rookie. That's, That's insane. That's stupid, man. Yeah. It was a long time there. I remember back in like right 1990-ish when they were talking about Cecil Fielder was potentially, they were like thinking he was going to beat Roger Maris's record. Yeah. But that was such a freak thing now. Yeah. You know, or at that time or whatever. But then... I don't know how much this plays back into the steroid age. When did the steroid age really occur? I'm sure we'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, cranking numbers like that is, it just seems fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Well, Canseco has admitted, and I'll tell you, he used steroids from day one to the day he ended. Like, and, and not just pro, but probably like at probably the minors. Probably the minors. Yeah, his whole, he said his whole on. career he okay. used them. Yep, absolutely. With McGuire and Canseco littering the upper deck with towering home runs, they took on a pretty badass nickname known as the Bash Brothers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These two dudes are part of, like I was telling you, part of the reason that I fell in love with baseball. Yeah. In the 80s, uh, you had some great players and some great power hitters, but watching Canseco's twitchy stance 
he looked more like a middle linebacker than a left fielder. Yeah. And he was absolutely just crushing balls. He put one up into the upper tank in the Sky Dome. Yeah. So in I remember. Toronto, and I want to say it was in the playoffs. I mean, it was the farthest home run I'd ever seen hit. It was one of those where, you know, back in the day, you didn't have all the interleague play and all the media coverage. So when you got to see some American League teams, it was cool for me because, mm-hmm. like you were talking about, buddy, you didn't get to see the American League much being mm-hmm. in a National League market. Right, exactly. And I remember seeing him hit that ball and was just, I was pissed because I didn't have a tape in the VCR to record that. Right. It was the furthest I'd ever seen a baseball hit. Yeah. And if you remember the Toronto Sky Dome, yeah. it was a big stadium anyway. And it was one of those where the second deck was way up there. And he mm-hmm. hit it damn near three-fourths of the way up the second yeah. deck. Jeez. I mean, I think they, say, they said it went like 484 or something like that. It looked way further. It, they said it was still going up when it went out. Yeah. yeah. That's why I kind of miss the old Tiger Stadium when there were so many d- upper-decker home runs. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, boom, it's yeah. another upper-decker yeah. home run. That's a deep cut for you. If you're if you're younger than 35, yeah. I don't know if you'll recognize that. But the old Tiger Stadium was meant for double-decker home runs. <laughs> the old upper-decker. That's it, yes. <laughs> it isn't just a turd in your, in your fucking water your tank floater. in your toilet bowl. We're going to talk about one more year in particular, and then we're going to switch gears a little bit. The year was 1988. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Before the season started, Canseco said his goal that year was to hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases. He claims he didn't know that any other player in Major League history had never done this, saying five or six guys must have done it before. (laughs) Yeah. To give you an idea, (laughs) last year, the American League leader for stolen bases was Malik Smith. He had 46. And Ronald Acuna, the Braves, had 37. Okay. And Acuna actually got real damn close. He had 41 home runs, 37 steals. But that'll tell you now, back in the day, like, you used to see guys winning the steals title. Ricky Henderson would steal 130 bases in the season. Mm -hmm. You know, it was nuts. But now... Ricky Henderson was like otherworldly. He was. Yeah. You had, absolutely. You had other guys like Lou Brock and some other guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like 70 bases you'd see yeah. in a season. It's, How many know. total stolen bases did Cecil Fielder have? <laughs> oh, man. I bet he had one or two. Yeah, maybe. Because you can do the double steal. Yeah. You know, you got first and second, and you both steal, and they try to throw the guy out at third. Yeah. The guy at first gets credit for a stolen base. Yeah. Uh, you know. He was great at what he did. It's like Dan Marino in rushing yards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four or yeah. whatever it was for not much. So, in 1988, Canseco finished the season with 42 home runs and 40 stolen bases, becoming the first player ever to accomplish this feat. Three other players have done it since. A-Rod, Alfonso Soriano, and Barry Bonds. Boo. Uh, And Acuna just missed it this year, coming up three steals short. It feels like that record, or that title, is absolutely soaked to the eyeballs in steroids. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean... A-Rod, he won't ever admit it. but Oh, he's caught. He's right. red-handed. Soriano, he's retired and just kind of out, and everybody knows Barry Bonds. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's Anyway, I remember when he went 40-40 and, mm. like, everything that went with it. There were baseball cards. There were toys, T-shirts. Yeah. Like, all the hype that baseball could kind of muster around that, sure. they did in 88. It was pretty good. So, we know Canseco was a hell of a player, and that's what made him rich and famous. His lifetime Major League Baseball stats read 462 home runs. 1,407 RBIs and a lifetime average of 266. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So why is the big twitch here in our courtroom today? It's not a crime to steal bases, so you know there has to be a reason. So taking baseball out of the story for a bit, let's dive into what subpoenaed a bash brother to our courtroom. You should put your phone away during dinner. But before you do, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Now, enjoy that dinner and enjoy the show. The first topic of Canseco's outside of baseball life we'll cover is his illustrious fighting career. 
Canseco has always been a boxing and mixed martial arts fan, and according to a 2009 Sports Illustrated article, Canseco claims to have earned black belts in Kung Fu and Taekwondo, also describing himself as an expert with nunchucks. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll honest, man. Know. The thing is, is if steroids can make you smarter, that motherfucker would be Einstein. But it doesn't <laughs> work that way. Canseco is a shockingly dumb man. He's a big dumb jock, man. Yeah, he is. is, a, is. Yeah, that's the that's stereotypical the big you dumb have, jock. You have certain jocks that, like, that don't live up to that, you know? I mean, but this guy's like... He came out of a like a shitty '80s B movie director, script writer <laughs> guy that was like, "This is a jock. This is yeah. Jose Canseco. Yeah, Gold like, chain, like, a mullet, and him be like, I like fighting. I'm black belt. I'll fight you now.' He's like the atypical like '80s bad guy yes. in, in a B roll movie. Yes. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So in May of 2008, Philadelphia sportscaster and former NFL running back and kick returner Vi Sikahima accepted a challenge from Canseco to fight for thirty thousand dollars. What Canseco may not have known is that Sikahima fought in the same Gold Gloves tournament won by Sugar Ray Leonard as a youth. Okay. So I watched the fight. It wasn't a good look at all for Canseco. He was about seven inches taller than Sikahima, right? Okay. And uh, he just kind of stood there most of the time and tried to block his punches. Got lit up. I don't understand. Yeah, he was such a bigger dude, and this guy caught him. It was pretty much a left hook to the head. Put him down, and then the when temple? he got up, yeah, when he got up, he just started banging the body, mm-hmm. and uh, pretty much he went down, and he's like, "I'm done with this shit." So yeah, it was a first round knockout yeah. to yeah. Sikahima, and the average person would be like, "Yeah, all right, well, I'm done with this sport," but not our not boy. him. Oh no! Eight months later, he really stepped his game up. He challenged and took on former Partridge Family badass Danny Bonaducci. Don't fuck with Bonaducci, though. That's right. In a three round exhibition boxing match. The match had so much clout, they decided to use a suburban Philadelphia ice rink to host the epic battle. <laughs> I think this was actually aired on like NBC, though, wasn't I think it? it, it celebrity, celebrity fights. fights or Vanilla like Ice fought like Greg Brady or some shit. Like it was, <laughs> it's just chaos. Like any combat sports fan was just like vomiting while they're watching. So they're like. You're just making a mockery of right. what we love. It's like celebrity death match, but in real life, yes. you know. I remember the fridge was on celebrity boxing. Yeah, yeah. Him and some other they couldn't even finish. He was gassing the yeah. Yeah, thirty <laughs> seconds. It's terrible. So I went back and watched this fight and it was an epic snooze fest. Again, Kaseko was the bigger man by a long shot, but just didn't have really the killer instinct or help, maybe even the skills to put away Bonaducci. Yeah. They didn't land many shots. Jose had a few good ones in the first round and the third round, but other than that, it was really just a bunch of grabbing and blocking. Yeah. It was boring, man. Honestly. Yeah. They said there was a crowd of about 1,500 people that were there, and they mostly left before the decision of a majority draw was announced. A lot so, of booze. Oh, the yeah. It was, it, like I said, it was just boring to watch. They just yeah. sat and grabbed each other the whole time. Yeah, it's a, it's a, one of the Bash Brothers fighting Danny Partridge. The, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the best part of the video was this one woman they were interviewing. She was fucking shit-faced. <laughs> and uh, she said Danny Bonaducci was the voice of America. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's a high, if, uh, high phrase. That tells you what kind of level she was on to get yeah. to the fight. <laughs> I'm from Long Island. Oh, she was, I grew yep. up watching Partridge Family. I know that little redhead bastard has a wicked right hook. I saw it. <laughs> I you better watch it. out, Jose. Yeah. If I could, I'd go down on him after he gets done beating <laughs> up. What's his name again? Jose Ramirez. <laughs> so it's funny. She's from Philly because that's where oh, Bonaduce okay. is oh, from. Yeah, okay. yeah, same. Similar. So, yeah, yeah not, similar. Yeah, everybody I do is Long Island. <laughs> Long Island. <laughs> but no, she was from Philly. She had like a mink coat and a lot of eye makeup and was outside mm-hmm. smoking cigarettes, mm-hmm. hammered, talking about how much she loved yeah. Danny Bonaduce. Hundreds, too. Big, long <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> 
I love the douche. <laughs> Canseco finally put his amateur status aside, and on May 26, 2009, he stepped into the MMA ring. It was in Japan, so it wasn't an actual octagon. Against a seven foot two kickboxer and MMA fighter, Choi Hong Man. Dude, this dude looked like King Kong Hong Man. Mm, yeah. Like, this dude was huge. So, what? to give you an idea, Canseco's 6'4, 240. Yeah. This guy made him look like somebody's little brother. Well, but here's the you have to think about it like this. I mean, all right, you get beat up by a smaller man that's an athlete. You tie with a, a partridge, a partridge family, guy, one of, the, one of the members of the partridge family, and you're like, Time to go pro, baby. <laughs> That's right. Oh, and also, to go to the not, big I want to go outside of my weight class and fight a guy that's basically Saget from uh, Street Fighter Two with a giant. <laughs> and it was uh, it was MMA in a boxing yeah, ring, yeah. so it wasn't like boxing. It was like Pride. Yeah. And uh, the way it ended was a ground and pound. The- oh man, <laughs> yeah. when he went down, the dude got on top of him. I've never man. seen it. I gotta watch. I gotta it. Oh, it's great. It's say- it's a minute and like twenty seconds. Yeah, it ain't long. But Canseco looked more like a fighter in this one. I think he probably got much more professional training to do this. Yeah. Um, After you tie the douche, bro, you better get back in the gym. Because <laughs> he, he did. He bounced he around. good yeah. for a second. Yep, you know, he did. But he bounced around, landed a couple kicks. He got rocked at one point, and then like it, it, he got a little scared, I tell. think. Like, uh, he starts kind of running away from him. <laughs> oh, dude, no. He ran into the guy's punch. The guy threw a punch and kind of left his fist out. <laughs> and he jerked his head forward into the guy's fist. He, they that say, sounds about right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from there, like you said, he kind of stepped back and skirted around the ring. The guy hunted him down, landed something. He went down and just started, like, yeah. hammer, hammer punching him in the head. And the ref was like, all right, we're good here. We're good. Yeah. So, like I said, it didn't look completely terrible, but the guy he was fighting was a fucking giant. And it did feel kind of like a sideshow. Yeah. You know, seven foot two guy versus the former pro baseball player. Whatever. All right. Kaseko finally put a victory up on the board November 6, 2009 in the elite fighting organization, the Celebrity Boxing Federation. Canseco challenged and defeated Todd Poulton in a majority decision. Celebrity boxing? Who the fuck is Todd Poulton? I had yeah, to Google him he? and find out who it was. He was one of the kids from that movie Little Giants? No, he <laughs> he has he's like somehow like locked into celebrity boxing like he's part of it. Oh god, he's I don't know if he's he like was a, an extra on the set of Mighty Ducks. Uh, so here's the deal. Here, here's, <laughs> how, here's how memorable he is. I googled him, read about him, and I fucking totally forgot all about what I read about him. So, <laughs> Todd Sweet the Punisher nephew. Polton. Oh, he's yeah, got yeah. a fucking the people's champion. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, that's because his last name, his real last name, is Peoples. <laughs> his parents. We love you. We love you doing. So good getting beat up for money. Good job, Todd. <laughs> Todd, we appreciate the check you sent us last week for forty dollars. It paid for your father's medication. You're the people's champion. <laughs> Here's the deal: in the boxing world, when you're working your way up, right? This is why you'll see guys that they're finally getting a chance to fight for you know a title or whatever, and they have a record that's like twenty five and zero. Mm-hmm. And then you go to like boxrec.com and you see who they're fighting. My favorite thing is to go to their first few fights and find who they're fighting. And they're fighting dudes that are like with a record of 12 and 75 yeah. with 68 <laughs> knockouts. And these guys, they're Glass called, Joe. They're called, yeah, they're called cans. And their job is to go around and just lose, basically to get beat the fuck up. And they're, so in I the feel, boxing world, they're like fluffers from yeah, the Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's why, like, you can't trust a, a dude that shows up and is like, I'm 25 and 0. 
And then he gets fucking flattened. And you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. I thought you were really good. But then you find out he's been fighting like homeless guys. He's, <laughs> he's a hungry fighter. Yeah, he's hungry. He said he's so hungry, he's fighting for a sandwich. But I feel like this guy is the celebrity <laughs> boxing version of that, which is <laughs> so much worse. Yeah, oh, yeah. You want to get beat up by Danny Bonaducci? Here's a $1,000 check. Sweet. I'm there. So, Jose liked to fight, and he enjoyed combat sports. Cool. What's not cool are some of the allegations and charges that have come up against him over the years regarding violence and the women in his life. Mm-hmm. On February 13, 1992, Canseco was arrested and charged with aggravated battery. According to an L.A. Times article, just days after the arrest, a confrontation began about 4.30 a.m. when Canseco and his then-wife, Esther, started arguing at a 24-hour gas station. Canseco took his wife's purse and pager, a police report said. He eventually gave the purse back, but refused to return the pager. I ain't giving your beeper back. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that, was, your that was the way, early girl. 90s version of the cell phone. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. So. It's just an odd thing. Why? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I gave the going. purse back, but yeah, I wouldn't give the pager. Esther Canseco took the purse and sped off in her BMW. Canseco followed in his Porsche and in one block rammed the front left panel and the rear panel of the car, causing about $10,000 in damage. Please well, say. man, that's man. a bold move in a Porsche. Yeah. It's not exactly a fucking tank. Right. Again, I think we go <laughs> back to the he's IQ trying to pull level. A, yeah, yeah. He's trying to pull a James Dean. <laughs> oh, watch this shit, bitch. I'll kill you with this tiny fucking roadster. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, drives up underneath her BMW somehow. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> When Esther Canseco, 25 at the time, pulled to the side of the road, Canseco walked up to her side window, the report said. An officer arrived to see Canseco spit on the driver's side window. Ah. Yeah. Police said Esther Canseco repeatedly explained what happened to the investigating officer, but when her husband was arrested, she recanted her story, saying the collisions were an accident. She then returned to her original account and asked that her car be towed away. So she admitted, yeah, he got pissed and rammed my car and then spit on my window. Yeah, you would think man. at that point, like, you've already rammed the car, caused the damage, probably scared. The spitting is just, like, spitting, we've talked about spitting, spitting before. Yeah, just we weak. don't like that at all yeah, here no, on you, Asshole no, Court. No, no. It just comes across as very, like, juvenile and, like... I'm just sitting here thinking, in the meantime, beyond the spitting, which is horrible, but, like, can you imagine going on a double date with Esther and Jose Canseco? <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about? I don't know. Uh, his breadsticks are pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Olive Garden. Esther, Esther, what do you like? She's like, I love your dick, Jose. <laughs> Let me drive your Porsche. I should drive to the wall, bitch. Touch my stick. Puts more gel in my hair. I can't even imagine how just like a just vapid conversation you would have with those two, man. I like sex and money. <laughs> so you do too. <laughs> In November of 1997, the hits kept coming. Sources from a Sun Sentinel article from that month, Canseco and his estranged wife, Jessica Sakely Canseco, 25 again at the time, were returning from a night out at South Beach. A mutual friend of the couple's was driving with Sakely in the front seat and Canseco in the back seat, said Miami Police Lieutenant Bill Schwartz. About 2.30 a.m. at the intersection of Southwest 25th Road and Dixie Highway, the couple began arguing. Canseco was accused of hitting his wife once in the back of the head and pulling her hair to get her attention. In addition, he hit her on the left side of her face, leaving a bruise under her left eye, according to police yeah. reports. Ugh. Yep, Canseco pled no contest and was sentenced to one year probation and counseling after the incident. Excuse me! Excuse me! Don't, don't, don't you hear? <laughs> no, I, but seriously, like I just found my own personal hell. Being in the back seat in Miami. 
with Jose Canseco and his wife coming out of a club and them arguing and having to be there for that entire experience. Like the Lyft driver taking them home. Or oh, yeah. my God. That is my hell. Like I, for, like I die and I wake up. and I'm like, where am I at? And then I'm like, well, this is a this is like a Ferrari. This is cool or whatever it is. And that. that then like the pink neon goes by. And I'm like, oh fuck, I'm in Miami. Yeah. Oh, that's Jose Oh, he's beating up his wife. This is the worst shit. And they're like arguing back and forth about some fucking stupid shit. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, you were looking at that guy. I saw it. I saw you looking at him. <laughs> you know where he met his wife. Hooters. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> See, there you go. I. Jose Canseco is uh, like the uh, bizarro world version of me. Right? Like, if you live in like an alternate universe, it's like, where do you want to live? You're like, Miami. Where do you want to meet your wife? Hers. I like those fast cars and who poops. Baseball. So it's funny because there is one of the stories we're going to dive into about another Hooters. Yeah, I, I fucking so knew it. So you called him the drunk guy at the end of Hooters That's in a, your intro, mm-hmm. not knowing. I didn't know he had such an affinity for Hooters. He just struck me yeah, as a Hooters, as a Hooters patron, guy. a dedicated. <laughs> There's a difference. We've all been Hooters. Yeah. But you know the dedicated Hooters patron. That's the guy you got to watch out yeah, for. They all know his name and he sits at the bar. He pays for oh, some of their shit, like yeah. their cell phone bills. All, all he was a Bud frequent Light. flyer of Hooters Air, I'm sure, back oh, yeah. in the day. <laughs> like first class I all love the way. their wings and the, they're always sweet, fine peaches come and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> There was one allegation against Conseco that proved to be completely false. In May 2013, Conseco was named as a suspect in a sexual assault investigation, according to the Las Vegas Metro Police Department. Mm. Las Vegas police later closed the investigation without charging Conseco, and he took to Twitter and vehemently denied his involvement in the crime, and he was completely exonerated from any wrongdoing. Okay. So he, he yeah. really was innocent on Got that. Got to give him the benefit of the doubt at that point. It's, but it also wouldn't surprise me either way on that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. But it is a given... Mm-hmm. In asshole court, if uh, right. you hit women, your score goes up. So Way yeah, up. Sure. Yeah. Stuck at the airport for hours? You haven't reached the end of the internet yet. Unless you've already liked and follow AHC Podcasts on all your social media platforms, then your life is complete. Now, back to the show. So, now we're going to go lightning round on that ass and go through the other arrests and violent tendencies Jose put on display over the last 30 plus years. In April 1989, arrested for illegal possession of a handgun after police find a loaded handgun in his car. Pleads no contest to a misdemeanor for possessing a loaded handgun and is placed on three years of unsupervised probation. I remember that. This is the first one. Yep, And I remember it felt like even then I was a kid and my mom was like, well, again, we were a Dodgers family, so we were happy to see an Oakland A getting served <laughs> up. <laughs> especially, it's what he deserves. Especially in 89. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I remember it, like my mom was like, oh, he's a bad guy. He's got a gun in his car. And then I think about it now, I'm like, that's a lot of people got guns in their car now. Just got to register that shit. But yeah. anyways, yeah. Well, you know, he had gone 40-40 the year before and won MVP. Yep. So imagine at the very beginning of the season, the next year, the MVP gets arrested with a gun know. in his car. And in 89, that was a big deal. December of 1992, arrested and charged with battery for a fight in a nightclub. He's later acquitted. November 2001, along with twin brother Ozzy, Canseco is arrested and charged with battery for a fight that occurred on Halloween night at a nightclub in Miami. They beat up a couple tourists. One guy needed 20 <laughs> stitches in his lip and the other a concussion. According did the other one have like a broken nose or something yeah, like that? Yeah, he got busted pretty good. Both of them did. According to an ESPN article, the two men filed a lawsuit, Christian Presley and Alan Cheeks, both of California, seeking a combined $1.5 million 
and compensatory damages for an unspecified amount of punitive damages for the injuries sustained in the fight at the Miami bar that night. Man, <clears throat> there's no tell what happened there. They might have just been drunk dickheads. Well, Presley says Canseco hit him several times, breaking his nose. So the brothers say that Presley lifted the skirt of Jose Canseco's date and grabbed her. Whoa, yeah. okay. Presley's lawyer says he only touched a feather on the skirt and did not touch nah. the body. Nah, I'm nah, on. I'm, I'm with Jose on yeah. this one. Oh right. no, no, I didn't lift up her skirt. I just was trying to check out the cool feather. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, I remember, and in, uh, and in, in we were in high school. We had, we had a teacher, and there was a girl that sat behind me. She had uh, nice boobs. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the teacher comes over, and he starts staring at her chest, and she says teacher i won't say his name but what are you looking at and he was like i i just was trying to read the label on your shirt it was like a lacosta label <laughs> right like an old alligator yeah i was like you were checking out her titties man that's wrong <laughs> and it's the same thing like he, this is, sounds like the same sort of story i wasn't lifting up her skirt i was just trying to check out this feather Touching i'm with feather. i'm with the real bash brothers jose and ozzy going ham on this guy yeah and could you imagine that getting smashed by the twin Consecos, you know what I mean? Like, Especially, was this when they were trying to rock the mustache era? Do you remember the mustaches? No, they were pretty clean cut. They did have the mustaches for a while there. I think though. it was maybe, maybe it was a rookie year, but I was about to say, that's not listed on your crimes, but that is a fucking, their mustaches <laughs> were crimes. So, uh, Presley testified that Conseco was still in rage outside the nightclub after the fight and shouted at him, you're lucky to be standing. Presley added, I'm 90% sure that he added, you're lucky to be alive. He told the jury that immediately after touching the feather on the Halloween costume, I was accosted by this man, six feet, four or five, 275 pounds, a huge man wearing a sleeveless shirt and a black vest. I grabbed, he grabbed my arm so hard he bruised him and the sleeveless vest is just yeah. what kills me. Yeah. yeah. And because that mullet was so rocking. Oh man, too. absolutely. As, as he was punching this guy, it was just fling and sweat off in slow motion. <laughs> He's very curlesque, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Presley said. I didn't know what was going on. He was choking me. He shoved me, and twice he hit me in the face. I started to move away to protect my face, and he hit me two more times in the back of the head. So Cheeks, the other guy, said he was attacked by Ozzy Canseco when he approached. Yeah. It's almost like something out of a movie, like just a straight-up bar fight in a it movie. It has to be, This yeah. does sound like yeah. an 80s bar fight movie. Ozzy acknowledged he struck Cheeks, but only when he appeared to be threatening his brother with a beer bottle, mm-hmm. which I can see. Cheeks left with a split lip that required 17 stitches, his lawyer said. Yeah. Woo! I bet those guys learned their fucking lesson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't fuck with the don't, Conseco yeah, boys. Don't grab a, a chick's butt. That's yeah. what started I don't know what happened, but honestly, if it was like, hey, there's a gun to my head and you have to choose based on that story who was the asshole, who was the instigator, I don't think it was the Conseco brothers. Yeah, and, I have to agree with so that. So this is kind of a, a funny fact. Ozzy Conseco said that he struck Cheeks with an open hand punch because he was dressed like Jose in a vampire costume featuring, <laughs> featuring fake fingernails that prevented either brother from making a fist. So they had to open palm these dudes. And the one guy got 17 stitches. Think about how hard you have to open hand a guy to bust him up for 17 stitches. You got, a, you got a vampire. You got pimp slapped by a Halloween vampire. What did the five fingers say to the face? That's right. Slap. Oh, man. God, getting slapped down. That yeah. is the ultimate. So, dude, just, oh, man. That's awesome. I love that part. That's a great story. Yep. I know you sort of buried the lead. I was like, that's the best part. Should have started out with they <laughs> were dressed, dressed like vampires, vampires and pimp slapped these dudes to death. 
Canseco pled guilty and he was sentenced to three years probation, community service, and anger management classes. Mm. In February 2003, Canseco is jailed for violating his probation after he fails to take anger management classes or begin his community service. In March next month, after spending a month in jail, Canseco is released and sentenced to two years of house arrest and three years probation. June of that same year, 2003, he's arrested in jail for violating probation after testing positive for steroids. You hit it. August 2003, Florida prosecutors dropped a drug charge against Canseco when he resumes house arrest. October 28, 2014, accidentally shoots himself in the hand while cleaning his semi-automatic handgun. Man. This is one I did want to touch on a little bit. So it was on October 28th, uh, Canseco accidentally shot himself on his left hand, injuring one of his fingers while attempting to clean his gun in his uh, home in Las Vegas. After having surgery performed... Oh, my God. Las Vegas, Miami. Miami. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I heard in one of the interviews where he was talking about somebody that he really wanted to box, and it was uh, Shaquille O'Neal. And he was like, I really wanted to box Shaq, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, my hand's been kind of messing up a little bit. You know, I shot it one time. But I think he's going to turn it down anyways. Yeah. uh, I was cleaning my Glock in my Vegas mansion. Yeah. (laughs) According to TMZ Sports, Canseco blew the middle finger off his hand Canseco's fiance told TMZ Sports he was sitting at a table in their home cleaning the gun when it went off, apparently not knowing the gun was loaded. What's rule number fucking one when you clean your gun? Yeah. Empty the chamber. I mean, always assume a gun is loaded. Always. That's the that's the rule. Mm -hmm. Always assume it's loaded. So Canseco went into surgery with doctors reporting he will uh, never have use of the finger. But it turned out he recovered and regained full use. So, All right. Yeah. Yep, well, no harm, no foul, I guess. Yeah. That's how he gets to hang birds at people on the Vegas Strip <laughs> as he drives by in his fucking whatever. Maserati. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, dudes. I'm about to go throw down at the blackjack tables. <laughs> December 12th, 2017, Caseco is fired from NBC Sports California following a series of controversial tweets where he wrote about uh, sexual harassment. Okay. You know, I remember hearing about all these over the years, but I forgot how many run-ins he had with the law. I'll be honest, though. What's more shocking to me about that last part is that he was ever hired by NBC. Oh, yeah. That was Why would you ever? Move. Everybody knows. Look, he's a known quantity. They're like, where are we going to get great commentary on sports? They're like, let's go. I got an idea. Let's go with the guy that blew his finger off, fights people that are gigantic, that beat his ass. So many stupid, stupid things. I just, it blows my mind. He's a name. And then there was this AMA, Ask Me Anything, on Reddit, April 24th, 2013. Mm-hmm. AMAs are an awesome way for people to learn about things they're interested in or if they want to ask the person directly involved a question. We recently did an AMA on our Jeffrey Epstein episode, and it was awesome. We had a great time interacting with our listeners. Unfortunately, Jose's AMA didn't go so well. And to be honest, it's probably a peek behind the curtain. As some of his behavior that didn't involve him going to jail, but isn't going to score many points. I'm not going to read the whole thing, which I highly recommend you go do. But here are some of the highlights that made me laugh out loud. Username Lazarus. He said, I actually just created a Reddit account just to post this. Been reading forever and never felt the need to post until now. When I was 12 years old, I lived in San Ramon, California, in the house directly above your condo. (laughs) Talking to Jose. I lived there with my dad, and we saw you on a regular basis. You regularly came home, probably drunk, at 1 a.m. in the morning, honking your horn and revving your engine to let the entire neighborhood know that your self-entitled pompous ass was home. (laughs) I was out walking my dog one day, and it barked at you, probably because she knew you were human scum, (laughs) and you threatened to shoot that goddamn dog if it doesn't shut up. You said that to a 12-year-old. 
Suffice to say, your complaints were heard by someone and the police came and threatened to take the dog from me, a 12-year-old boy whose parents had just gone through a divorce and whose dog was literally my only friend in the world. My dad had no choice but to find a new home for my best friend and gave her away to a good family without even warning me. I never saw her again, and to this day, I still have never forgiven my father for doing that and you for causing it. I hope only one day you realize what a horrible human being you have become and how poorly you've treated those around you and live with that guilt until the day you die lonely and miserable. Yeah. Oh, man. Didn't this expect that, just jumped. Didn't expect that question. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ask me anything. No question here. Yeah. This is just me telling you you suck dick. Oh. Tell me anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, username KinoFlow said, Jose, you were a huge dick to me when you came to our Joe's Crab Shack in Tempe, Arizona in 2006. <laughs> there you go. Yep. yep. You came in at closing time and demanded that you and your group be seated in an already closed section of the restaurant. We all stayed for you to finish, which took hours because we had to close down again. You were rude the entire time and very demanding. You were wearing a baseball uniform and had two skanks on your arms that would, <laughs> that would make not so sly remarks about the crew, the food, the service, or whatever. I lost any respect I had for you that day and don't have any questions for you. Edit. I will ask a question to satisfy the AMA guidelines. Why are you such a dick? <laughs> <laughs> Username NY Kyle said, Jose, someone in another thread from uh, baseball posted this earlier. Can you confirm this happened and what was your reaction? What made you feel that you could cut in lines just because you're a professional athlete? And it read, True story. About 15 years ago, I was in the Mall of America with my brother, and we decided to eat at Hooters on the fourth floor. In the Hooters, there are some windows in the dining yeah. area that were open in the mall's hallways. My brother and I were waiting to be seated, and some guy cuts in between the two of us and says something like, I don't need to wait in line. Then a hostess comes over and says we can seat ourselves. My brother and I sit on one side of the room, and this douchebag sits on the other side. My brother and I are looking at him going, shit, he looks familiar. Then my brother says, wait, that's Jose Canseco. The Rays were in town to face the Twins at the time. I was like, damn, you're right. We needed to confirm this, so we asked our waitress, hey, is that Jose Canseco over there? Because he was an asshole in line. She goes, you know what? He was an asshole to me, too. Let's go find out. So she comes back after investigating and goes, yeah, it was Jose Canseco. How cool. My brother and I realize we're alone in thinking this guy's a douchebag. The waitress said he was an asshole but then thinks he's cool. So we devise a plan to flip him off as we leave. I was 14 and my brother was 21. I said, I'm in. Let's do it. So we eat, and as we're walking out, getting ready to flip him off, my brother chickens out at the last second. But I'm like, fuck this, I'm doing it. So we're walking out through the mall, past those windows, and I go, hey, Jose Canseco. And he looks over at me, and I go, fuck you, and I flip him <laughs> off. <laughs> then my brother and I quickly got in an escalator and got the hell out of there. He was my favorite ball player as a kid. Ashamed to find out he was such a douchebag. I also heard from that uh, Reddit AMA. People were asking him about time travel because uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. said that he had figured out the secret to it. That's and right. uh, he said something like time travel is possible, but you can only go back in time through dreams. I do it all the time. Learn more about it. Dream control. I have mastered it. And uh, <laughs> somebody replied to him was like, you just don't have enough gigawatts or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And he replied back. Your mom thinks I does. I just gigawatted in her. <laughs> but there's something wrong with his brain, dude. I think it just goes back to the whole big dumb jock. Yeah. Thing. Well, now here's another thing. Do you remember? This is this is very famous. I know you remember this, Randy. Fly ball. 
Almost a home run. <laughs> oh, my God. And it yeah. bounces off the top of his head uh-huh. and then becomes a home run. Yeah. It's like one of the, like, the number one sports blooper. Yeah, it was. It was really all the number baseball one blooper. Mind-blowing. Yeah. And you're always like, did you sustain head trauma from that? I mean. No. 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 <laughs> then, do you, I remember the other time. This is another one that always blew my mind was they brought him in to pitch. <laughs> Do you and remember this? Like three games later. And he had to have yeah. Tommy John surgery. That's right. He was <laughs> out for a One year. One inning of pitching is a relief pitcher, which I think the, <laughs> the manager of the team was just like, Fuck it, yep. man. Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, blew his a, arm out, and he got lit up. They like scored three yeah. runs. I well, think. yeah, because he's not a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. He's it's a clown show. It's a, like it's weird because there's equal parts of like disgust. And also, like, sheer amusement. He is like the living court jester of, of Major League Baseball. <laughs> the next topic we'll talk about is definitely controversial. And while many would consider an asshole for his role in the steroid era of baseball, others would consider him a whistleblower to an issue that was rampant at the time and needed to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Canseco wrote a book in 2005 titled Juiced, Wild Times, Rampant Roids, Smash Hits, and How Baseball Got Big. The book's Wikipedia page reads, the book deals primarily with anabolic steroids, drawing upon the personal experiences of Canseco. He takes personal credit for introducing steroids to baseball and names former teammates Mark McGuire, Juan Gonzalez, Rafael Palmero, Ivan Rodriguez, and Jason Giambi as fellow steroid users. He also believes he was blackballed by baseball when Bud Selig decided the league needed to be cleaned up. Didn't he, like, deem himself the godfather of steroids or That's something That's what they like that? called him, yeah. That, he had kind of given himself that moniker, yeah. Did you ever see his artwork? No. He painted Bud Selig. What? Oh, I'd it's, love to see yeah, his artwork. Yeah, you guys, if you guys are listening, just go Google Jose Canseco Bud Selig artwork, and it is, again, like I said, Equal parts horrifying and amusing. Was it like handing a twelve-year-old a paintbrush? Yes, it like, and it was amazing. <laughs> it was. It didn't. Uh, there was no likeness whatsoever. It was basically like if someone drew a picture, it was like you're a poo-poo head. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was like Buzzy was like a fucking like some weird demon drawn by like a twelve-year-old with shitty ass horns or whatever. I got on MS Paint. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> MS Paint. One of Juice's central precepts is that the steroid use is not in any of itself a bad thing as long as the person is being monitored by a physician and the dosages are small. Kaseko believes that steroids can not only improve the game of baseball but also improve and lengthen lives and that more research needs to be done on the topic. Kaseko claims to discredit many of the myths regarding steroids, asserting that they do not break down a person's body if used correctly and can actually help a person recover quickly from injuries. He led out the book with a strong statement. In Tampa... I ran the 40-yard dash in 3.9 seconds. <laughs> so, newsflash, no athlete in the history of the four major sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, or football, has ever run a 40-yard dash in under four seconds. Yeah. The fastest recorded time ever was 4.09, which former Redskins defensive back Daryl Green recorded unofficially in training camp. Okay. I was thinking like it was going to be like a rocket Ishmael or some shit like that. Oh, check this out. The fastest combine time is 4.22 by Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver last year at the 2019 combine. Usain Bolt showed up to the Super Bowl experience last year and tied Ross's record in jogging pants and pumas, according <laughs> yeah. to CBS Sports article. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean, think about it. that's as fast as Usain Bolt. Yeah, he didn't know. do three 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 point nine. <laughs> no, no, like I said, fastest yeah. ever was four point oh nine, and that's an unofficial. And that's time, the thing but. is, like, again, you're like, bro, you actually, you know, back in the day, you were fast as fuck. Oh yeah, it's okay. Like we're actually I all impressed. You. Yes, yeah, I believe I, you. I, I, we're impressed by how fast you are. You don't have to exaggerate anymore. Yeah, you've already proven yourself. I don't need your three point nine forty time. Yeah. 
The details he laid out in the book were extremely damning to the players he named by name. Because Major League Baseball is one of the extremely few allowed monopolies in the U.S. and exempt from antitrust laws, the government got involved. Former Senator George Mitchell was tasked to conduct an investigation based off the rumors that had become more than just that throughout baseball. And did you also, real quick, uh, side note, you guys know George Mitchell is one of the people that is accused Epstein. of sleeping with underage girls by uh, in the Epstein. Yeah, oh, yeah, really? Epstein. Yeah. Epstein. Just a side note. Yeah. Nice little tie-in. Absolutely. At the end of the day, you had guys like Mark McGuire, Rafael Palmero, Roger Clemens, and Eddie Pettit, all some of the greatest players in baseball history, sitting in front of Congress testifying about their alleged steroid use. Canseco did an interview with 60 Minutes that aired the night before the book hit shelves, where he told stories about he and McGuire doing steroids together in the bathroom stalls before games and their time together with the A's. When the book came out, many thought Canseco was just looking for the spotlight again after retirement, or that he was just a flat-out liar. It's crazy and sad to say that a lot of what Canseco talked about in the book has proven to be it's true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, that's the thing. So, so, so it, All right. Here's what always cracks me up, too, with like celebrity books, but especially this one, because they're like, Here's Jose Canseco's new book. Okay. That guy didn't write that shit. Right. Here's how it went down. Some journalist was like, check this out, dudes. I'm going to call this guy right now. Hey, uh, Jose, um, I got this idea. You can just tell me all your stories about steroids and shit. And, uh, you know, I'm going to write a book and it's going to make a lot of money. How much money they'll make, you think? <laughs> because that's how it Do works. Do you want to meet at Hooters right. to discuss this? <laughs> they had drinks. I guarantee you they had drinks. They were like, or at like Joe's a, Crab Shack. Yeah, and something like that. Or Applebee's with the big Brutus. And he's like, how much do you think it's going to make? Because I'll tell you all the stories that I know. And uh, yeah, but it, it, he wasn't lying about it. No. It's just the, the fact of the matter, I think, that pisses people off is, that it was obviously opportunistic. He wasn't trying to right. break the game and prove, like, I want baseball to be a pure sport again. He was just like, how much does it pay? <laughs> so, sure enough, Andy Pettit admitted using steroids. Jason Giambi admitted using steroids. And then there was the infamous Rafael Palmero incident. Palmero vehemently denied using steroids in front of Congress in March 2005. But in August of the same year, he failed the drug test for steroids. He claimed it was a tainted vitamin vial given to him by his teammate Miguel Tejada that was injected in him by his wife. Palmero. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. So Palmero, pretty much like everybody else who played in this era, will never make it to the Hall of Fame while they're alive. That's the rich baseball player's equivalent of those aren't my pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where are those drugs go? I don't know. They're not my pants. I'm just <laughs> holding them for a friend. Yeah. So again, he broke the ultimate locker room code by going public and naming names, but it did uncover the giant elephant in the locker room and open up the conversation to begin the cleanup of steroids in baseball. The 2008 A&E documentary, Jose Canseco, Last Shot, chronicles Jose's attempts to end his steroid use. In it, he also regrets ever writing his tell-all books and naming former teammates as steroid users. Since he has tried unsuccessfully to reach out to former Bash brother Mark McGuire and other ex-teammates. In 2014, he returned to the Oakland Coliseum to take part in the reunion celebrating the 25th anniversary of the 89 World Championship team. This marked the first time Canseco took part in an official major league event in almost 13 years. Mark McGuire, at the time a coach for the Los Angeles Dodgers, did not attend the event. So, Canseco was a phenom on the baseball field and had a career that even most professional baseball players dreamed of. He won two World Series championships, went 40-40, won an AL MVP, and had kids like me dreaming about hitting baseballs into the upper deck of stadiums everywhere. Unfortunately, and in Canseco's own words, he played his entire career using steroids and human growth hormone. He also had a penchant towards violence, maybe in part due to a steroid use 
that often ran him afoul of the law, including arrests and involved the women of his life. At the end of the day, I loved watching him hit bombs all over the park. When I found out about the truth about what was going on, the love died. My final asshole score for Jose Canseco is 6.25. Okay. All right. All right. I also like to imagine real quick, though, the call when he calls Mark McGuire. Hey, buddy. Uh, You know, I, I know I like, outed you and like, ruined your life and stuff like that, but, like, I'm I'm lonely. Or maybe he just tries to blow over the whole, hey, what's up, big dog? Just want to see what you're up to, man. Yeah. Going to the Coliseum this weekend. Oh, there's the Hooters right down the street. You want to meet me there for a big beer and we can grab butts? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, dude. I think it's interesting because... So for me, like his steroid use doesn't even really factor into my asshole score at all, because I think I think you have to be naive at this point to think that even your most favorite professional athletes are not engaging in some sort of like performance enhancing. Yes. Right. I mean, even like I said, I mean, like I'm a giant surfing fan. I love Kelly Slater to death, but it's like weird that I'm like, you're 45 and you're still like dropping scores that you know you're beating dudes that are 22 and shit like that how do you like when he first came in like the oldest person on tour was like 27 you know what i'm saying and like i to extend those careers and it's not like people always think like oh you take steroids you're juiced to the gills you're gigantic it's just like Conseco was right like it does help your recovery time yeah. it helps all this stuff like that that's why most guys take him is the recovery yeah time, yeah. yeah and they're still amazing athletes it's horrible. I wish that there was a better way to deal with the problem that's there. But again, I think that you have to be crazy to think that all these people aren't doing this. No way to prove it, but there you go. The problem I have with him is the violence, particularly against women and stuff like that. And uh, just the fact that uh, he's, like I said, he's just a very different personality type than I am. So uh, I don't know, man. I, I I don't think he's that bad of a guy in general, really. I mean, he didn't kill anybody and stuff like that. I'm going to score him. You know what? I'm going to give him a, I'll give him a 5.5. Buddy, what you got? Now, I also, like Mikey, I'm not going to weigh him heavy on the steroid use. It's not something that I have a big feeling one way or another towards. Uh, to me, that doesn't make him an asshole. It does make him an asshole for calling everybody out else about it. And the way that he did, it wasn't like we had said earlier that he was trying to correct a big wrong in baseball. He was probably just doing it for the paycheck. So I, I do have a problem with that. But my main issue with him is I'm a huge dog fan, and he got that 12-year-old kid's dog taken away on that <laughs> AMA. So fuck you, Jose Canseco. Yeah. All right. So uh, your score jumped up a lot in my book on that one. If that's true, though. Right. It happened, God damn it. <laughs> it happened. I believe the 12-year-old kid that grew up that mm -hmm. created the Reddit yeah. account just to make that happen. Highly probable. And, of course, the, the violence towards women. I, um, I've all, It's always been my position. It's always going to be a, a heavy scorer in my book. So, Jose Canseco, final asshole score for me is going to be a 5.75. Okay. All right. So, a 5.5 for Mikey, a 5.75 for Buddy. And Randy, myself, at a 6.25, giving Jose Canseco's final asshole rating a 5.83. Okay. All right, that's 5.83 yeah. for Jose Canseco. All right, that will wrap up the show. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We absolutely appreciate your support. Hope you uh, join us next time. Check out our uh, podcast page and look at our other episodes and uh, definitely give them a listen. All right, thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Peace.
Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more of Asshole Court, find us anywhere you download your favorite podcasts. Give us a good rating on your favorite platform. It really does help. You'll definitely want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at AHC Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, depending on what you have to say. So until next time, remember the golden rule, and don't be an asshole, or you may find yourself on Asshole Court.